a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know how breaking news works on this station, right? When something of the utmost importance comes to our attention, a reporter will rush into the studio. I'll get a, a whisper in my ear, something very simple, something uh, not many details in my ear, and I'm instructed to then uh, play the breaking news sounder. And then we hear from one of the expert reporters here at KSL News Radio. It doesn't happen all the time, but you know that when it does happen, it means that something. Uh, pretty, pretty impactful has taken place. And the last time that happened here on this radio station was last Thursday, just after 1 o'clock. I got a whisper in my ear from the producer saying, uh, there is breaking news, Kira Hoffermeyer. Kira Hoffermeyer will bring you the information. Throw to Kira. And that was the little information that I got. That's my cue uh, to say uh, Kira joins us in the KSL newsroom with breaking news. And here last Thursday, just after one o'clock, was what Kira shared with us. What we do know is that there were two people inside of this plane that crashed that were rescued by people just passing by. UHP tells us this was a fairly fiery incident. They don't know the status of those two people, but there were a lot of flames. We saw a lot of smoke on some traffic cameras. We're working to get you more information on that. KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson is working his way to the scene now, Lee. Kira, thank you. Good for those rescuers, huh? Can't wait to hear that full story. We'll bring it to you here as soon as we have it. Well, since then... We have learned the identity of those uh, two rescuers. We've also learned uh, the unfortunate reality that the pilot of that aircraft, 72-year-old gentleman, he lost his life, and his passenger, Jason Sorensen, 47 years old, was severely injured, taken to University of Utah Hospital in critical condition where he remains today. Now, joining me on the program are those two passers-by who stopped to render aid. Turns out they're brothers. Brad and Lyle Berglund join me now. Uh, Brad, sir, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm grateful to you uh, for being willing to come on the program and, and share your story. Uh, Lyle, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are yeah. you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, tell me, who, who was driving that day? I was driving, Lyle. Lyle? T -t -t tell me where, where, where you were heading. Uh, we were going northbound on Legacy, uh, just uh, almost to Farmington, um, heading to Clearfield to, to do some work. What kind of work do you do? Uh, we, we do remodeling, um, mostly exteriors, siding windows, uh, entry doors and things. Just a, a normal day on the way to the job site, and what did you see? Yep. I'm sorry, did you say what did I see? Yeah. Well, we were... We were traveling north, and um, Brad Brad pointed out this plane that was was coming down pretty fast, and 
uh, didn't think a whole lot of it initially until I looked over and realized that it really was descending quite um, quite rapidly um, and banking hard, banking hard to the right. And Brad said that uh, it's coming down. And Brad, Brad, tell me how you knew it was coming down. Uh, I didn't know for sure. So it's pretty. I see a lot of dusters flying out around that area where they fly really low, and um, they go up and down really close to the ground. And I kind of thought that maybe it was it was one of those planes just kind of rolling around over there, and it got closer and closer, and then eventually it's like there's no return, and it, it clipped the clipped the right wing and kind of face planted and lit up on fire. Lyle, you were driving. Uh, you saw the plane yeah. go down. You saw the wing clip and it tumble and set ablaze. W- what did you do then? Well, I... Lyle yelled at me and said, "Call nine one one." And he jumped out of the truck and started running over to the to the field. And I jumped out while I was on the phone with nine one one, and I kind of just took off from there. The, was the the plane on fire as you approached? Yeah, it was the field and the plane were on fire. Were, were you able to were you able to safely uh, approach the the aircraft? Um, uh, relatively safely, I guess. What happened? Obviously, then? looked both ways for traffic to make sure that I wasn't going to get ran over. <laughs> but um, well, there was a few fences to hop over, and. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, relatively safely, we were able to get over there. Just a matter of exhaustion and and just pushing as hard as we could to get there. How, how far was it you had to travel from your vehicle to the aircraft? Uh, I'm not 100% sure the exact distance, but uh, I I tried to kind of calculate it on Google Earth, and, and it was about 0.2 miles. Mm. Almost a quarter mile. And uh, as you arrived at the aircraft, what did you what did you see? A lot of fire. Um, I know Brad. As as we approached the, I think it was the third fence to cross. Brad mentioned to me, "I don't think I want to see this," and I I told him, "I don't want to see this." But there was no other option, um, and we we knew what we had to do. What did so you do? We, we I we went under the barbed wire and and came up to the plane and and we we realized that one man was was conscious and and alive. And I remember Brad saying that he's alive. And and so we did our best to get in in there and I I remember trying to to pull him out and and Brad realizing that his harness was on, so Brad unbuckled his harness, and we were able to pull him out. Um, as as we got him onto onto the ground and out of the fire, we noticed that the other man was uh, was breathing. Um, and Brad or I said, I can't remember who was talking, but he's alive. We have to get him out. And so. We did the same for him. 
You sustained some injuries yourself in the course of this accident uh, and your rescue. Uh, we need to take a break right now, but when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about, uh, about your own injuries and, and any lessons that you've learned and may pass down to your own children next. We're speaking with Brad and Lyle Berglund, brothers, engaged in a rescue last Thursday as a plane crashed in Centerville here in Utah. We'll continue this conversation next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're speaking with Brad and Lyle Berglund, a pair of brothers who last Thursday were driving on Legacy Highway near Centerville when they saw an airplane crash, tumble, start on fire in a field. And what they did is something that we all should do. It's a difficult thing, but it is when there is danger, you should run towards it. Run towards the danger to help others. That was their instinct. That's what they did as they uh, approached this burning aircraft. They saw that there were two men inside, and they did uh, what they needed to pull them from that aircraft. Speaking, as I said, with Brad and Lyle here. Brad, uh, let me ask you, as you uh, engage in this rescue effort, you sustained some injuries yourself. Could you describe those for me? Um, I have a few minor burns, uh, and a couple larger second degree burns on my forearms. And, uh, smoking. Lyle, how did, how did you fare? Um, I also got some burns on my arms, um, and, a, and a small burn on my, on my left calf and some some smoke inhalation as well. Now, you've made a choice to run towards this burning aircraft. Why was that the choice that you made? Uh, To be honest, it it didn't feel a lot like a choice. Um, It was, it was, it was instinct. I, I know, I remember it felt like the first decision that I actually made was to, and this is, I don't know if it's irrelevant or funny or, or what, but it, I decided to put my hazards on to push the button to turn my hazards on. Sure. And after that, it, it all was just pure instinct. I don't, I don't recall ever really making a decision, if, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, Brad, do we have you back? Okay. All right. We'll, we'll stay here with, with Lyle. Uh, Lyle, you, as you you say, it wasn't a, a choice that you made. Uh, were you raised to to run towards danger and help others? Is that how you came to to find yourself in this situation? I, I know that my parents have always instilled in me and my family that. Um, that we love each other and we love our neighbors and everyone around us and we should we should look out for each other. Um, if there's a situation where somebody needs help, then it's our obligation to to help. And I think that's that's what it came down to is is just instinct and and being raised with those those kinds of values. That's admirable. Now, after you pulled these gentlemen from the aircraft, how long were you there before before rescue workers arrived? Um, it was it was it happened really really fast. 
Um, my time frame might not be, and it might not be perfectly accurate, but after we got the second passenger out of the plane, there were some other people there that that helped us move move them away from the fire that was that was moving towards towards us and and trying to stomp the fire out and just trying to keep keep them with us and keep them keep them alive. So it was probably maybe five ten minutes. I would um, probably about five minutes after the crash itself. And then after the crash, you uh, were taken away in an ambulance as well. How, how did you come to end up at the hospital yourself? Um, it, was, it was pretty chaotic. Uh, we had some really amazing law enforcement and people that helped us helped us learn some um, techniques for breathing to deal with the, the trauma and the, the adrenaline that we were experiencing. Um, we sat on the uh, truck bed for, for a good 10 or 15 minutes and waited for the ambulance to come. It's hard at that point because you don't really know what the damage is to yourself with all the adrenaline. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were okay and that we didn't sustain any more damage to ourselves that we weren't aware of at that time. Brad, you and you and Lyle sat on that truck bed together, uh, calming down, letting the adrenaline fade away. Trying, yeah, to. It, yeah, it slowly, slowly went away. It didn't go away till later when, when while we were at the hospital, according to their heart monitors. Yeah, were you able to have any conversation back and forth as you sat on that truck bed? Uh, no, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. We were, we were just trying to um, keep each other. Uh, I don't know, comforted in a sense, just kind of holding each other and saying did good job and things like that to try to just make it through the, the moments as they can. Yeah. After those 10, 15 minutes or so on the truck bed, you did ultimately uh, make it to the hospital for a time. Did, did you spend the night there or did you, were you able to head home that night? We headed home that night. We were only there for a couple hours, I think, um, just until they knew what, what kind of condition we were in, and then they, they sent us home. Are, are you both married family men? Yes. yes. Uh, Brad, tell me, when you got home that night, what was the conversation like with your wife? Um, I'm a, I might have a hard time remembering. Uh, she was just really, I remember her comforting me and, and uh, telling me that, what I did was good, and and uh, uh, most of the conversation, I think that if there was some, it was about the details of mm -hmm. what happened. Lyle, what do you remember heading home? Um, kind of hard to to remember exactly, but I know that my wife was was extremely supportive. Um, my daughter, I. We pulled up into the driveway, and my daughter came out and said, Dad, I'm going to take care of you tomorrow. <laughs> she said, I'm, I'm going to make you breakfast in bed and just extremely loving. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a huge relief to be home and with my family that, that cared about me. Conversations were, like Brad said, about the details and processing um, the things that we were feeling, 
uh, trying to trying to work through those emotions and and feeling the love and support from those around us, uh, especially especially my wife and kids. Thank you. Thank you to both of you for a number of things. First and foremost, uh, for your heroism of that day. I understand that you're both uh, humble men, and uh, you won't uh, be the first to call yourselves the heroes, uh, but I will. Uh, what you did was heroic, and the, the reason I wanted to speak with you here today is that there is uh, a lot of confusion uh, going around the world today, and there are a lot of people looking for examples to follow. And when you two gentlemen were in your pickup truck and you saw that uh, plane go down and the decision that you made or the instinct that you followed to run towards the danger and rescue and help another, that is an example that we should all follow. I admire you. I'm grateful to you. And I, uh, I would like to just extend to you uh, my love and appreciation on behalf of the families that you impacted and certainly for the example that you have set to the rest of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that again, Brad and Lyle Berglund, who on Thursday last saw a plane crash while driving on Legacy Parkway near Centerville, and they pulled over, turned the hazard lights on, and went sprinting towards the danger. Almost a quarter mile they traveled, uh, and there they extracted from that aircraft uh, the, the two men were on board uh, when it crashed. We're going to take a, a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about another type of heroism. This police. Police officers, our heroes. I want to share with you an example of that. On Friday, early morning, there was a woman who fired shots at police. They were able to read the situation, assess it, and ultimately save that woman's life. The details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.